Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another night of My Life Has Destiny podcast, where I am your host, Coco Fitton, and y'all see my wonderful guest that is with me tonight, Mr. Jameer. I have been waiting for him to come up here for about a year and a half, y'all, so y'all know I'm excited that he is finally with us tonight. He's going to share some wonderful golden nuggets about what he does. Um, I am truly excited to hear about his program, not only just his program, but his book. Um, so I want him to tell y'all how to find all that stuff before we get up off of here. And y'all will have to pray for my co-host because she is not up here tonight. She has some uh, procedures done. So keep her in prayer, please. She might pop in in a little while, but she won't stay that long because she's in a little bit of pain. But like I said, y'all, please keep her in your prayers tonight. So we're praying for you, Quint. And on top of that, I will be sharing some announcements before the show ends tonight as well because we got some good stuff coming up down the line up the pipe so i hope you guys are ready i will also be getting ready to share some new flyers with y'all this week it'll be in my storyline and on my timeline on my instagram y'all know how to find all that stuff and um we have some other stuff coming up too as well so i'm gonna do everybody's announcements before the night is over and if mr jameer has any announcements for y'all concerning any events that he might have coming up. I want him to share that with y'all tonight as well. So other than that, we are not going to prolong it. So thank you guys for popping in with us again tonight. What I want y'all to do is please, please like, share, and comment. All right. Send it over to YouTube, Instagram, all of that. Also, anybody that is on my Instagram feed, share it. Y'all already know what to do for me, right? So we're about to get started. So, Mr. Jameer, thank you once again for accepting my invite. Thank you for <laughs> You are welcome. Please go ahead and tell the people about you, what you do, and let's just get started. Okay, okay. Well, first and foremost, let me say, um, I'm going to send a special prayer out for your co-host. And if she's listening, I hope you feel better. You know what I'm saying? I was looking forward to meeting with both of y'all, but I'm understanding what she's going through, so we're going to send our best to her. Thank you. Yes, Lord. So that's first and foremost. Second, you know, congrats, you know, congratulations on everything y'all got going because y'all doing big things for those that might not be in tune. But I be watching y'all because I'm a fan. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Right. I'm a fan. Um, and thank you for the invite. Um, yeah, so for, for those who may not know, again, my name is uh, Jameer Jamoke, to be exact, which a lot of people pronounce it Jameer Jamoke, which is cool, too, because most people that know me from back home or whatever, they call me Jamoke, so that's fine. Um, so basically, um, I am the chief encouragement officer for a social enterprise called Remain Resilient which is a re-entry and recovery reform initiative and movement. Um, our primary target um, with our social mission is to combat recidivism, encourage positive progression, and deter youth um, from the culture of poor decision-making and even specifically the criminal justice system. Um, so everything that we do, um, the reason that we call ourselves a social enterprise is because, you know, be honest with you, I've operated in the space as a nonprofit professional for a long time. And um, what I found was that a lot of the solutions that we needed 
you know, to provide our community often got caught up in, in, in the profits of, of perpetuating the problem per se, right? So, um, and that's no knock on nonprofits as a whole. It just means that, you know, with the politics involved in regards to the necessities that have to be taken care of to secure funding and things of that nature, that a lot of times the quality of the service kind of falls to the wayside because the people, you know what I'm saying, that's in charge of getting the money to address the problem lose sight of what's necessary in the trenches to actually provide solutions. Um, and specifically speaking, the recidivism, you know, um, statistically speaking, like 70 to 80 percent of brothers and sisters that come home from jail, juvenile detention centers or prisons are typically um, rearrested within three to five years of their return. So for me, it's like the question becomes why? Why is that happening? Um, because I've been involved in, you know, in the nonprofit sector. I've been involved in the helping professional business or, uh, you know, different organizations or whatever, whatever the case for a long time. And then there's elders out here that's been in it longer than I have. And um, the money that we're still talking about to create, you know, these solutions is still circulating the same way it was before. And a lot of money has already been allocated. And a lot of money has been given to a lot of different organizations to do a lot of different things. But yet, the problem still exists, you know what I mean? And the problem still exists and all this money that's being thrown around in it, you got to ask yourself, is it, is it just about the money? Like, is the money going to create the solution itself? And I just find and the people that, you know, that I move around with find that, you know, we have to be the change that we seek and we have to go out here and create you know what I'm saying? The, in, the industries and the infrastructure and the things that we need to, you know, to create solutions so we ain't just finding ourselves always being dictated and dependent on somebody else's money to make our communities better. So that was kind of like, you know, the notion for why we started Remain Resilient. And then for me specifically, I am a recidivism survivor. You know, I've been out of prison for, uh, since 1999. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying I haven't been in no trouble since 1999, but I'm saying I haven't been back to prison since 1999. I had a couple, you know, little close calls here and there for whatever reason is I was trying to figure out, you know, the process um, of how to survive recidivism. But all in all, you know, I've been relatively unscathed by the culture of poor decision makings or the same social pressures that I see a lot of guys falling victim to now. So that's kind of like my motivation is, you know what I'm saying? For one, to combat recidivism, because I believe, I truly believe that recidivism is a socially induced disease. Awesome. So if, um, what's the word I'm looking for? If a person is looking to, um, try to reiterate themselves into society, mm -hmm. right? Um, what advice would you give? Um, the advice that I would give anybody that's trying to, you know, successfully transition, you know, back into the community, back in society, is the same thing that, um, that I talk about in, in my upcoming book, um, My State of Mind, Seven Steps for Recidivism, right? Because 
again, like I said, I've been out of prison since 1999, which means if you look up now, it's what, 2022? Mm -hmm. So I got like 22 years of insight and experience on the best methods and best practices on how to survive recidivism, how to continue to be socially uh, successful and sustainable and, you know, assimilate into, and I say assimilate loosely, but I mean more so like learn your way through navigating the changes of mainstream society, which for me looked completely different than it did when I was in the streets. So coming home just with the intentions, you know what I'm saying, to do the right thing was one thing, but then coming home faced with the reality of all the different challenges and obstacles that I had to overcome and to consistently overcome, that's when it, you know, it really dawned on me, like, as I got along in the process was that, yo, this is truly a mindset, you know what I'm saying? It's a shift in the mindset. It's a growth mindset. You know, the mind is all in regards to being able to do the right thing for the right reasons consistently. You know what I'm saying? So I say that to say, you know, similar to what I talk about in the book, the first thing that I would say to anybody that's trying to transition back into society is to first find your motivation, the first step. You know what I'm saying? And when I say motivations, you have to be very, very specific about that too because everybody or certain people are motivated by different things, right? But for me, my motivation was finding something that I cared about more than my own personal agenda. And the reason being is when I was in the streets, I was socialized to be a survivor. You know what I'm saying? So survival became my idol. And because I wanted to survive and because I prioritized, you know, getting by by any means, not necessarily best means, by any means, you know, I I really didn't care who I stepped on or stepped over in order to fulfill the agenda that I had, which in my mind was survival, but it really was self-destruction. So when I found my motivation, you know, I had, it couldn't be about me because it's right. easy for me to disappoint myself or it's easy for me to talk myself into continuing to do whatever is comfortable. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it was about prioritizing my kids and my wife. And that sounded like real cliche, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, I did it for my family. But the truth, the truth is like that became my motivation because once I started prioritizing the people that were most important and the people that I was a lot of times neglecting for other people and other individuals that wasn't as important and showed me that they wasn't as important because when I was locked up, you know, nobody was there for me but the same people that I neglected, you know what I'm saying, when I was out. So I channeled that and as I tell, you know, other people that I work with in the jails or the prisons and so forth, like you gotta find your why. You gotta find your why, first and foremost. Find your why, lock into that why, and use that why to channel all your energy and filter all your decisions that you make. Everything is a big deal. Nothing is small. Like simply choosing which store to stop at on the way home. You know what I'm saying? That is a big deal. And you should stop and think and process your decisions through the lens of your why before you make any of them. So that way you always conscious of how something that you could do or something that you could allow yourself, you know, to be subjected to could have a ripple effect 
on, you know, the people that's most important to you. And it sounds very elementary when I say it now, but there was a time when I was just to be honest, like I was just in the moment, you know what I'm saying? And, and just moving like that. So I would say first and foremost, find your motivation, find your why, uh, determine what that is. Maybe it's your grandchildren. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's your job. I don't know. Maybe, you know, your mom, whatever it is, your career, your passion, find that, lock into it and let that be the ultimate deterring factor from you doing anything or making any decisions that can put you back in jail or prison. So obviously motivation is one, two, you have to be introspective. You know what I'm saying? Introspection is key because you have to be able to have the ability to have an honest, brutal, open, transparent conversation with yourself. You know what I'm saying? You have to find somewhere because, you know, we get caught up in doing all of the things that we feel like are required of us and the social expectations and the social media and all of that. But in reality, you got to be able to sit down because there's no better place to introspect outside of a funeral because you face with the reality of somebody else's decisions. And at that point in time, you're given an opportunity to reap the reward of the wisdom that you could extract from the situation. But if your mind ain't right, you ain't paying attention to none of that. You know what I'm saying? So if Thing. It's the first time when you get locked up, it's typically the first, well, I'm going to speak for myself. When I was getting locked up, that was typically the first time that I had the chance to actually sit down and sit still and think about anything because I was oh, all the time. I wasn't constantly locked into every little intricacy that was going on around me. I was just kind of like going through the motions, right? So in order to introspect, you have to start asking yourself, you have to take like a, a self-analysis and an honest survey of your emotional landscape, right? Because introspection is synonymous with emotional intelligence. You know what I'm saying? That is probably, if not the most important factor, you know what I'm saying? It's learning how to be emotionally intelligent, learning how to, you know, control your impulses, dodge your triggers, you know, and knowing your weaknesses, knowing your strengths, knowing what you need to get better at, knowing what you can utilize to your advantage in order to maximize your potential. But all of those things take, you know, the ability to look within and really reflect on, you know, what you, what you got to offer and, and, and what you might need to do to tighten up. So introspection um, and then niche, right? So everybody their own niche. You know what I'm saying? You have to figure out what that is. And that's typically, you know, grounded in whatever you feel like your purpose is and whatever you're passionate about. You know what I'm saying? But passion by itself ain't enough because you can be passionate about a lot of things. Like, I'm passionate about the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? But it's no yeah. try out for the Lakers. It's good. Because <laughs> I got two left feet on trash. Yeah. So... Just because I'm passionate about it don't necessarily mean I should put my time into pursuing it. But for me, you know, I found that uh, I had a passion, you know what I'm saying, for people. Like, for a long time, I tried to, like, make sense of it. But I just understand that where I come from, like, my neighborhood, you know, Dewdrop, Jacksonville, North Carolina, you know what I'm saying, to be exact. Like, I came, on, I came up in a neighborhood where my community – literally was like a village and everybody 
looked after each other. You know what I'm saying? And there was times when, you know, we couldn't eat or, you know, whatever the case is, it was, you know, it was Miss Velma down the street. It was Miss Sister. It was Miss Naomi. Like, you know what I'm saying? Miss Rose. Like, it was, it was like a collective of big mamas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you had you know, my uncles and Uncle Joe and, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? So I had that village, like, you know, so, 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 yeah, you know what I mean? Finding, finding your niche, because I'm sorry, y'all, I kind of got lost in my memory right there, because some of them ain't around no more, so that was, yeah. Hey, it's all right. No doubt, but yeah, so, so I, I, I learned from them, you know what I'm saying, how to, to prioritize other people, and um, I got those values from them, but then I also lost sight of those values while I was caught up in the streets, because I started believing that the only thing that I was capable of doing or the only thing that I could be successful at was, you know, doing the things that I felt like was necessary for survival. But it ain't wasn't just survival because I fell in love with the life. That's why I say that recidivism is a socially induced disease because it is, is and I know this because I work in addictions now. You know, I'm a recovery coach you know, and I'm piercing things of that nature. So I worked with individuals in recovery and stuff like that. And as I'm working with these individuals and I'm learning more, I'm under, you know, clinical supervision. I'm, you know, in the process of becoming, you know, a leisure counselor and things like that. So I learned, you know, different things about mental health that I wasn't even, you know what I'm saying, um, that I didn't even based But one of the parallels that I see a lot of times now is that, man, recidivism in the streets um is just is just as powerful as Wayne just as powerful but it's it's similar to the impulses and the triggers and the different dynamics that come with recovering from a generalized you know form of addiction you know what I mean so finding your niche is is basically a way to get yourself a positive attraction and to find out that you can do something else. You can be Kevin Lyles. You ain't got to be Benny the Butcher before the rap. You know That's what I'm saying? It. You know what I mean? Hey, so, Simone, welcome. I always like to acknowledge people when they come in and say hello. So, but hey, yeah, Simone, welcome. Thank you for joining the show. Yeah, finding, finding your niche is important for me. That was like becoming, you know, ultimately becoming a counselor. And um, I come from an era, you know, you know, drugs and alcohol and addiction and liquor houses and things of that nature. You know, my pops passed, you know what I'm saying, recently, you know, from lung cancer. And, um, yeah, appreciate that. You know, but, you know, with that situation, like, it, it just woke me up and was like, you know, you got to take care of your body. You know what I'm saying? You got to be conscious, you know what I'm saying, of the things that you put in your body over a long period of time because we're playing a lot of makeup with our bodies right now because we've been ourselves for a long time. And then, like, for me, like, when I turned 40, like, everything went left the same day. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I started feeling stuff I won't feel. <laughs> so, so I'm like, y'all got to diet up. But, um. But yeah, so finding my niche was important. And then, you know, obviously developing that niche um, narrative, you know what I'm saying? Because I know just my lived experience and my natural raw talents or whatever the case is not enough to take me to the next echelon of success. 
um, or surviving recidivism, right? Because, you know, proper preparation prevents poor performance. And, you know, we have to make ourselves humble enough to be receptive to other people's help because I wasn't always receptive to other people's help, even though some people tried to help me. You know what I'm saying? I thought I could do everything on my own or I didn't want to let nobody help me because I didn't want to feel like they could hold it over my head after, you know what I'm saying, whatever materialized. So, I try to make myself a lone, a lone wolf, you know what I'm saying? But they, mm-hmm. once you find your niche, you know what I'm saying, you need to find you some some quality, what, what Les Brown called OQP, only quality people. Right. You gotta take you gotta take your niche like your ball before you take it home. You gotta cuff your niche and then you got to go find people that can help you develop it and find situations and opportunities, whether that be you know, internships, whether that be going to volunteer. A lot of people don't want to work for free. When I got out of prison, I went and worked for free for a whole bunch of organizations. You know what I'm saying? Just doing volunteering and stuff like that while I was trying to find a job. Obviously, I couldn't get a job right off the rip because of my record and having to navigate that conversation or whatever the case is. So instead of just giving up and not doing nothing, I said, let me go work for free. You know what I'm saying? Because I came out of jail you know, the last time I was incarcerated with a mission to be part of the solution and not part of the problem, you know what I'm saying? Because I had awesome. been, I'm tearing down my own people. I came that passion. I was like, all right, if I can't find no job, I'm going to make a job. And if I ain't, you know, I don't got no carpentry skills or nothing like that. So I was like, well, let me go find something that I'm passionate about and that, that my heart is in, whether it be the homeless, whether it be education, whether it be recidivism. And I said, well, let me go start, you know, um, paying this forward, serving leadership, like we was talking about before we came up here, you know what I'm saying? And that, that led to me being surrounded by individuals that helped me learn things that I didn't know. And it also allowed individuals to bring to my awareness that I knew a lot more than I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be surprised. Sometimes when you think that you don't know, sometimes you might end up being the smartest one in the room sometimes. So, it, And it happens like that. Um, but I, I have to say that I commend you. Um, for coming out and even willing to do that, like willing to go volunteer, willing to go intern somewhere, somebody will say, knowing that you're not going to get no paycheck. But it's the knowledge that you gain while you did that that got you where you at. And opportunities, like, because, you know, it's like, you know, it ain't what you know is who you know a lot of times. Right. I'm saying, but, you know, it's like I seen, um, I ain't going to bring that dude up. But anyway, I seen this interview where there was this girl, the dude was saying something about the girl said she need a doctor or something like that. And then he said, well, where you going to be at where the doctor's going to be at? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm listening now. I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense because I, I felt the same way. Like, you know what I'm saying? If, if I want to take myself to the next echelon, of success and professionalism or whatever the case is. And I got to put myself around, you know, those type of circles, those type of rooms, you know what I'm saying? And um, I use, I use the opportunities and the individuals that I met, not use, but you know what I'm saying? I, I took advantage of those opportunities to get in the rooms with people to show them 
primarily to show them that regardless of the stereotypes or the social stigmas or the self-fulfilling prophecies or whatever, because I represent, you know what I'm saying? I represent the constituency of where I come from and my culture. So when I walk in the rooms, they automatically assume one thing, but by the time I left, they assume something different. And I feel, you know, that's an obligation and a responsibility for me because I know that when I leave out the doorway, somebody else gonna come behind me. So I wanna make sure that I can open their eyes and their ears before those walking behind me can walk in the same door I did. So that's, that's, I mean, it's just the fact that you overcame the stereotypes. And I talk about it all the time, that you do not have to live up to the label that's been put on you. Mm-hmm. And so often in life, we have labels thrown on, on us by other people who can never see past where we are at that current moment. Thanks. So we have to learn to see past where we are and know that we can do far better, be far greater, and we do not have to be what you just said I was. Exactly. Don't you know? define your destiny. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also, your, your past don't dictate your future. At all. You know, that's, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is my past do not dictate my future. I am nothing like what I used to be. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I can honestly say I'm so glad about that. You know what I mean? But Thank I can say you. that who I who I used to be did help make me into who I am today. That's a fact. You know bro. what I'm saying? I never, I never just of it because part of who I used to be and part of some of the things that I used to do helped me to get where I am. That's a so fact. I'll never just fully d- dismiss it. You know what I mean? But I never lived up to the stereotype. You no. you will never say that I'll never go past this, that, and the third. You know, so it, it was just one of those things for me. And I'm I'm so glad that I had the mindset to say, you can say what you want, but that ain't how I feel about me. That's a fact. You know? um, and I think that too often now, the problem is, is that a lot of people don't see themselves greater than where they are because it's been they've been bashed and talked about and put down so often they can't go past it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know people who still dealing with stuff that they dealt with from when they was childhood age. They still don't know how to let it go and release it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I mean, to, to me, I tell people all the time that yeah, you dealt with it. That was a part of that was a part of your process. But that part of your process is now over. Mm-hmm. You gotta move on. That's a fact. You gotta, you gotta walk into your future. If yeah. you don't walk into your future, first of all, it ain't like your future gonna come smack dab into you. Uh-huh. It's, it's a process, y'all. You you and your future gotta meet. Everything is a process. Right, it's a process, right. and you and you and your future gotta meet at some point. You know, if you if you don't never meet your future, then where you gonna go? Yeah, you gotta right. Yeah. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like he coming out at night, he ain't showing up. Right, but I'm saying, but you got so many people who don't do that. It's just like, just like when you tell them, and you know, I, I come from the word a lot. So when people talk to me about certain things, I say, well, first of all, faith without words is dead. Mm-hmm. If you don't have, if there ain't no, if you ain't working the faith, baby, the faith ain't moving. That's a fact, though. You know what I'm saying? So you have to you have to believe in what you're doing mm-hmm. in order for it to manifest. 
Because sure it'll, ne it'll never manifest if you don't believe it. Oh, that's a fact. I heard you know what what he said, uh, he said, if you think it, you what he said, if you uh, if you conceive it, you can believe it. If you believe it, you can achieve it. You know what I'm saying? Right. It was real subtle, but I was like, ooh, like, what did he just say? Right. Saying like that's deep. Right. And one of the things too that I think people forget about is that the Bible say that so a man thinking so is he. Mm -hmm. Whatever you think about yourself is normally what you deal with. That's a fact. If you don't, if you don't see yourself, I mean, let let's let let me just ask you this question. Literally, ten years ago. Did you see yourself being where you at right now? Nah, nah. Cause it was it, it ten years ago. What's that? Twelve. Nah, nah. Cause it was all it was all relatively new for me, and I was just like, I mean, I got I got pushed into leadership. You know what I'm saying? Like I I I, I backed myself in that corner where I ain't had nowhere to go but to be a leader. You know what I'm saying? And I ain't even, like like I said, being in certain spaces around certain people, they kind of brought it to my attention or whatever, you know, whatever light that was shining that I was purposely, intentionally, or inadvertently trying to dim or letting somebody else dim. Like, they, right. And they let me know, like, young boy, you got something. Like, you got an obligation. You got a priority to it. Like, tighten up. Man, you know what I'm saying? Don't just be... Lies they fly, like you know what I'm saying, and, and being complacent and not really taking your your gift, and you know, like the Bible said, your gift will bring you before great men. You know what I'm saying? Right. God ain't just gonna send you anywhere around anybody. You know what I'm saying? And he not he gonna make sure you prepare, but at the same time, you gotta take accountability for preparing yourself as well because he giving you an opportunity to prepare for those opportunities. And listen, ain't nothing worse. Then, then, then getting the opportunity and not being prepared. That part. Opportunity, you know. That part, you know. My, I, something that I say, I say it to my spiritual parents all the time, and they say it to me: "Be ready at all times." They always say, that, "Be ready at all times." Always, always be ready to to either talk about what you do, show up, to say who you are in the room. And don't ever let somebody make you feel like they're because they have this, they they quote unquote have this type of prestige that That's other crazy. people have given them that you can't square up. Let me tell you something. One time, I, um, and I'm not gonna say the specific uh, entity, whatever the case. I'm gonna just say that I walked home that was full of quote unquote professionals and um people with money, as we call them. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, so I walk, I walk, man. You know, obviously the way I look and the way they look was totally different. You know, mm -hmm. representation of the culture that you know what I'm saying that I come from. But anyway, they was like, um, I came in there and then I got word after the fact, like they was referring to me as the felon. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. I had I had worked my tail off. And done my due diligence to put myself in a position to even be able to walk in that room. You know, mm -hmm. I never had anybody of color in that position in that room ever. You know what I'm saying? In that particular position. And that says, I mean, I'm light skinned. So, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I, hey, they never had nobody. And when I came in there, I walked away and they, and they talked about me and referred to me as the felon. 
So just imagine what they would do or what they would say about somebody that isn't as far along in the process and doesn't have, you know, as much to show in regards to the work that they put in to try to get themselves in the position that they at. So I feel obligated in that space where I could have responded to it like, yo, who you talking to or da 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 But I was like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna turn it up a notch and I'm gonna show y'all. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna I'm gonna show y'all that we have something to offer. That I have something to offer. That my insight is invaluable. You know what I'm saying? What right. I possess, you could never get. You know what I'm saying? Like you could go to school, you could do whatever you want to do, but you don't have this lived experience. I can always go get what you got. Right. I can go get a degree. I can go read some books. I do that anyway. You know what I'm saying? Right. But what I have. It's special, it's unique, but it's just learning how to develop it, which goes back to what we said as far as all that, like learning how to develop it and maximizing every moment that you in them spaces and you have an opportunity to put on for us. It's it's like I think that when people make this this uh what they call justification about you. Um, and then when they see you in action and what they thought was so wrong, <laughs> they they still some of them will never come to you and apologize. <clears throat> and and then you have some that will actually step up and say, you know what, I was wrong. Thanks. You know what I mean? And and the ones that do step up and say that I was wrong, a lot of them at that point in time now want to connect with you you know and then like we were just saying sometimes it's not about what you know it's definitely about who you know mm-hmm. you know um there there are places that i have gone and it, it wasn't about what i knew it was about the the person that i knew in the room the plug right that i knew in the room and i mean it's the same language it's like that right Love, you know what I'm saying? Right. And then when the person that, that everybody everybody else waiting to see, everybody waiting to be introduced to actually says my name <laughs> over the mic. Yeah. And then, yeah, I want y'all all to welcome her. And I'm just sitting there like, no, don't why are we doing this right now? This like, you know, you know, and they was like, No, I want you to welcome her. And I was like, you know, from the corner or wherever. Mm. And they like. Yo, how she know? How you? Everybody after the thing is up. Oh, how you know them? Don't worry about how I know them. <laughs> yeah. You know, because when, when I when I walked in, you know, you you felt like I I shouldn't know somebody like that. This is what I already know. Yeah. You know, and and I I have always been one of them that I always stuck out like a sore throat. Mm-hmm. I mean, always stuck out like a sore throat. I could be in the middle of a crowd, and somehow somebody would spot me and be like, "Coco." <laughs> and I be turning around like this. I mean, when I say crowded, yeah. Like, who calling me? And then all of a sudden, you see one hand pop up and be like this in the middle of everybody. I'm like, oh, hey, you know what's going on? And there's something when 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 people who you never thought even looked at you like that are now paying attention. Because mm-hmm. now you got somebody's attention, yeah. right? So now that you got the attention, sometimes you have to ask. Yourself, yeah, what you gonna do with it? What you gonna do with it, right? So like it is it's it I tell you it's just so awesome because some some people will never get just that part. Mm-hmm. Now that you got their attention, what you gonna do? 
Listen. Now you gotta show them what you about, but are you ready? Yeah, are you prepared? Right. Are you ready? What we were saying. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. That's well, it. And what? Putting on, you know what I'm saying? Putting on, do taking advantage and maximizing the opportunity to the foolish. You know what I'm saying? But, but you have so many people that miss the opportunity. Yeah. They miss the opportunity with being unprepared. That's a fact. You know, and, and I, I always tell people, always prepare yourself. Always keep something on hand so that you can be like, oh, yeah, you said that you wanted to know blah, 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 blah. And you can pull it up. Hold on. Let me. You know, and you can pull it up to let them see or keep something on your person. Keep something in your car. Keep, keep something somewhere where you can always go back and reference and be like, hold on. Wait a minute. You said you needed to know. And yeah. you can. Go and let them flip through. Matter of fact, I got you know what you can keep this one. Take it with you. <laughs> you know, and give give them something to, yeah. to to go off of to be like, I gotta get back in touch with them later on. Yeah, don't let them walk away bad handed. Right. You know, that's right. You don't never let them walk away empty-handed. There was so many times where I got ready to walk away from somebody and they would stop me right at the no, you got a business card. Hold that thought, sure do. Go. go right in the purse and pull it right on out. Like yeah. Yeah, you can take a couple of them if you need to. I'm gonna be calling you, and they would actually call. And see that both both of, both of them points you just made is, is is relevant to like even even like I said, you said what advice would I give other guys coming home? And whatever. So you know, um, the next you know step is, is strategy. You know what I'm saying? Because you have to be a strategical thinker when you. All, right. come, all the strategy is not just responding you know, to situations in the moment and being able to, like, you know, maneuver your way through them. But it's more so, like, in regards to recidivism, it's, like, starting to put your strategy and your reentry plan together before you come home. You know what I'm saying? Start already anticipating, you know, what type of challenges, what type of obstacles you're going to face. Because a lot of people plan for everything to go right. But nobody plan to go wrong. You know what I'm saying? So when you're sitting in there in that cell or you've been sitting there for a while, you've been conjuring up all these ideas of how everything going to play out once your feet touch the ground and you're going to see shorty and then you're going to do this and then you're going to do that and then I'm, I'm going to go get a job. Like, I'm going to go do this. You know what I'm saying? And then when you get out here and realize it's a process and that everything requires patience and you have to move at a certain pace in order to let things kind of fall together you know, organically and naturally, then you start getting frustrated. You know what I'm saying? Getting off in this picture in your mind about how everything gonna play out. But thinking and critically thinking is two totally different things. Right. <laughs> so, so what would you tell a person on how to, because my biggest thing for me is time. Yeah. I do, I, I can't stand it's time. It's, yeah. Wasting time is a problem for me. That's a fact. You know what I mean? So if how would you tell somebody, in, in your opinion, how would you tell somebody how to prioritize the time? Just like us, like for me, like you said, time is my greatest asset. So the one thing that I realized that I have complete control over that is not dependent upon external variables or something somebody else do or the way the sun turned or whatever the case is, I have complete control over the energy that I choose to subject myself to. You know what I mean? 
that's the that's the one most powerful tool that I had. And in regards to strategy, knowing that I will not purposely subject myself to any kind of counterproductive energy. Period. Like any any anything that's gonna jeopardize or create a situation where I can't execute my goals or I can't provide, protect, and preserve my why. I don't got nothing to do with it. You know what I'm saying? I, I even if it comes attached to people that I love, even if it comes attached to people that I grew up with, I get it. Attached okay. to people that could put me in position and give me a better opportunity. Like I'm always, I'm just like I said, I know my why. Like I'm locked into it. I understand it. So I process all my decisions through that. So even when I'm making my strategy, a lot of my strategy is based around obviously I have financial strategy. I have a lot of different things that I can get into, but primarily my biggest strategy is my social strategy. You know what I'm saying? Because I've been practicing social distancing way before COVID. You know what I'm saying? Way before COVID. And it was uncomfortable a lot of times because, you know, I love a lot of people, but there's some people that I love that just for whatever reason, I can't occupy the same space. They do because we have different priorities. You know what I'm saying? And that ain't no love loss. I always love them. You know what I'm saying? And if I'm in a situation where I can help them, I'm definitely going to help them. But, you know, outside of that, they say self-preservation is the first rule of life. Now, a lot of or misconstrue self-preservation and make it something selfish and self-centered, but that's not what it is. You know, what no. I'm saying? you can't. To, to me, to me, my my piece is important. You can't. My philosophy is you cannot put a price on a piece of mind. No, you, my, my piece is very important. You cannot put a price on a piece of mind. That's where you can go offer me a check, but it right. doesn't check come with too many problems or something that's going. You know what I'm saying? That part. Peace, you can keep that. I'm ready. That part. I, I, like I tell everybody, you know, some things that sound too good to be true are. And at the end of the day, all money ain't good money. You know what I mean? And, and trust me, I've had it offered 500 ways to, to Sunday. But when you read, when you read, especially when it comes down to contracts and deals and stuff like that, certain things just ain't for me. You know what I mean? That's that's not my deal. That's my that's not my stilo. I can't do that. I'm not gonna compromise myself for that. None of this stuff. Because then then when you start trying to make me undo my integrity to do something for you, we yeah. got a whole problem. Exactly. We got a whole problem. So to keep me from feeling like I gotta come out of my character towards you, I'm gonna just say no. Yeah. I'm gonna just pass on that deal. Stay away from me. All the right. Time. You know what I'm saying? Just keep, keep, keep you at bay. That's it. That's it. So it's, it's, it's something like you know, like I said, we were sitting here talking about, um, <laughs> we were sitting here talking about, um, you know, the, the, the connections, right? So like all last year, I was getting connected to all types of people, and I would be like, okay, Lord, I, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing, and I see what you're not doing. Mm -hmm. And when I said so, I went, I said that around somebody. They was like, "What you mean?" I said, "Because all connections ain't good connections, baby." Okay. I said, so, "Some some folks want to be connected for the wrong reason. They got yeah. agendas of their own that I just don't get down with, you yeah. know." And I was like, "So at the end of the day, all connections ain't good connections. I love people, I love everybody, but you're not my connection. 
you you first of you're not my you're not part of my season right now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Maybe later on down the line, but right now, no. You know, because you got some things that you got to work out, and yeah. it's just not for me. That's a fact, though. Gotta you know, size your piece for real, right? And, and so for me, um. Hold on, I got some people. I think I think I got some people who want to come on to talk to you. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. If you like. All right. So anybody that is watching right now, y'all already know, feel free to drop the comments in the comment section. Any questions y'all got for him about what he does, what he's doing, put them in the comment section. I will post them up on the screen so he can see them, or I will verbally ask him for you. Y'all already know how we do. So, with that being said, I see that our station owner is down here in the bottom. Are you coming up, Fred? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Do you have any questions for him? Okay. Now, you know I see your lips moving, but nothing coming. What we doing? <laughs> Put it in the private chat, man. Okay. All right. If you got questions, you already know what to do. So, uh, with that being said, what I have, what I understand is that you do a lot. Yeah. Right? It's more than just you you helping people get back into society, more than you being that 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 number one go-to guy that if I got this going on and I'm dealing with parts of addiction that I know that you can help me work myself through it. You got the book that you have done. You got so many hats that you wear. With all of that being done, besides you coming out and you having your wire, what was, when did you figure out that this was the purpose? Uh, I think, um, I think I've, I found out what my purpose was. Um, within the realms of, of, of regret and purgatory, right? Because okay. I came, you know, I came out of jail, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not too far removed from standing on street corners. And then all of a sudden I'm standing at podiums, you know what I'm saying? I'm in front of people that, you know what I'm saying? I never would have thought that I would even be in front of them and they actually, you know, gravitating to my influence or whatever the case is. Um, but in the process of that, you know, it comes with a lot of responsibilities and it comes with a steep learning curve to learn how to be, you know, an effective servant leader. You can have the intentions, but the know-how, you can only be involved in the actual process. So when I was in that process, I felt, you know, I, I, I dealt with depression. I dealt with a lot of things, you know what I'm saying? Because it was a big burden to care, you know what I'm saying? Right. You know what I'm saying? To try to be everything that I want to be for everybody. You know what I'm saying? I didn't prioritize self-care. I didn't you know, take the necessary time to put the same type of, you know, concern and care back into myself as I did everybody else. You know what I'm saying? So that um, became a problem that created issues with me and, you know, my loved ones and the people that was close to me. You know what I'm saying? And it also, it, it, it put me on a direct crash course with the reality of politics. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just coming in with, you know, practical um, ambition and practical, 
you know what I'm saying, initiatives to try to create solutions and change. And I'm not, you know, I'm used to the street politics, but I don't know about all these politics. You know, I'm just coming into it trying to do the right thing, not understanding that even within these realms of leadership or community organizing or whatever the case is, that there's still a lot of um, corrupt politics that's involved, you know what I'm saying? So that kind of took a toll on me. And then, um, you know, there's some more specific um, examples. You know what I'm saying? I ain't going to get into all of that. But uh, just that that experience of, like, it goes back to that opportunity thing, right? And then excelling into a, a space of responsibility and obligation that's way beyond anything that I ever knew and then having to learn things on the fly that I wasn't necessarily aware of because I would, you know, I would, I was not that far removed from being in the streets, you know what I'm saying? So um, when I seen how dope, in retrospect, when I seen how some of those things played out, how certain individuals revealed their hand to me, how certain, you know, certain people that I thought was good people turned out to be bad people, and you know what I'm saying? And to see my, my allies become my enemies and see people become snakes. And, you know, it was just, for me, it was like, wow, like, this ain't what I... You know what I'm saying? This ain't why I came into this for. I didn't anticipate all of this. But then once I was actually in it, you know what I'm saying, I found that uh I found myself trying to respond um to everything that everybody had to say in regards to what I was doing and how I chose to do it and who I chose to do it with and you know, everybody had an opinion and everybody was in they say and then there was a lot of relevant, you know what I'm saying, history that um that could that could lend to, to them having a point. But at the same time, like me, I know my integrity. So that's all that matter. But anyway, going through all of that and then leaving, I left. Um, I took a job in Charlotte, right? And I always wanted to live in Charlotte. Like I, I thought like I'm a city boy, I wanna go to Charlotte, like I'm a Panthers fan, it's just supposed to be right. But anyway, I went up to Charlotte. I found a little, you know, speaking gigs and this, that, and third or whatever. But eventually, probably a couple of years into that particular transition, I ended up taking a job out in Iowa. Right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was crazy. Everybody's like, yo, you go. I felt like on Minister Society when, uh, <laughs> when Sharif and them was about to leave, and they was like, going to cancer right <laughs> so so i went out i went out to iowa and um <laughs> it was everything i expected it to be macab <laughs> tornadoes so um anyway while i was out there i was working in the high schools and um there's only one well i ain't gonna say there's one but there's one prominent um civil rights hub um because you know I was predominantly white. It's like 90, something like that. So the enclaves of African-Americans are, you know, slim. But actually in Waterloo, you know, I went out there and was working with, um, I was in charge to go out to the high schools across the state and um, internships and um, professional shadowing and, and jobs and stuff like that for teenagers that were seniors and coming out. So anyway, when I found out like the history of what was going on in Waterloo and Iowa, it reminded me a lot of women. 
um, just in regards to the history that's here or whatever and some of the challenges that we face because of, you know, the shift in the political and social landscape out after like 1898 and all that, you know what I'm saying? So that still runs relevant here, you know, in the city or whatever the case is. When I experience um their history out there, seeing what they was going through, I went back to my supervisors and I'm like, yo, why are we not doing more out there? You know what I'm saying? Because y'all got me across this whole state and I'm going to most of these, you know, these hubs that's predominantly European, you know, and then, so I'm, but. I'm seeing it, but I'm like, why y'all not doing enough out here? But the real thing that I came away with was the fact that when I was seeing rural poverty within that setting, you know, out there, I could even find, you know, the resemblance and the equality of poverty. You understand what I'm saying? Like it's on, it's on all sides. So I seen this and I'm like, damn, like they got meth heads and you know what I'm saying? And and I say that loose going like the, you know, I'm people with my language so i'm saying meth is only in the regards of that's how people might identify what i'm talking about but pe you know their drug of choice out there was crystal meth and you know and, and the pills and things of that nature but i'm looking at the poverty i'm looking at you know how bad it look i'm looking at the different social dynamics with the family and all that and that's dawned on me and i was like yo you don't belong out here <laughs> So um, how long did you actually stay? About, about, I was there like I think almost six months, something like that. Oh, okay. So you wasn't there long. I was long enough to know what time to go. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you can have all the passion, but you can't say the word. It ain't. You're right. You're right. Places and places is specific to certain people. <laughs> people for that particular right yeah okay. <laughs> it, it just made me laugh because i had to sit there and think about it like yeah you know um you you sending me the 10 bucks to and this thing gonna work out for me. <laughs> I remember one time i was i had to because i had to draw like three from the um the moines out until whatever little town they're gonna send me but in between the moines and wherever else you're going nothing out it's just straight highway or whatever the case is and um uh, i mean every time i look at a cloud i swear it's about to be a tornado it's crazy yo and i remember um my gps don't work like that out there so oh, I'm, I'm i'm all the way in iowa i don't know nobody here i'm in the country my gps don't work i'm turning down roads like pulling up the old bumps and all that and I was trying to get some direction, but ain't no stores out there. So I seen a store, got pulled up at the store. But the store, like, is the store open? Cause I don't see nobody. Like it's quiet. Like, you know, they don't get a lot of service, I guess. Right. So I hop out the car. Well, next thing you know, I seen this, I seen this man come around the um from the back of the store, had on open, oh, can't even make this up, had on overhauls. And a little straw in his mouth and all that. And he, was, <laughs> he said, uh, you lost a boy? I said, yes. <laughs> I got right. I got that call. I said, I'll figure it out. And then maybe like two weeks after that, a tornado hit. And I was in the crib and it was like, yee. 
man, I ain't never heard. Like, I heard it on the movies and all. You know, we we from the coast, baby. We tropical, you know what I'm saying? We, we yeah, do it sounds like a train coming for real. Hey, yo, we do hurricane parties, you know, when we were young and all that. We weren't scared of no hurricanes like that. But a tornado, that thing saying, come to find out. Next day, it hit like the um the exit down the street and destroyed the entire little neighborhood or whatever. So then I was like, yeah, I'm about to go back to North Carolina. But I say like that experience and some of what happened when I came back just reiterated to me what my purpose was. You know what I'm saying? So I was able to like redefine what my purpose is. I almost try to run from my purpose in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Because I just wanted to purge away from all the toxic, you know, all the toxic behavior and all the backbiting and all the BS and all that. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to just purge because, again, like we said, I got to protect my peace, right? Hey, mommy. Say hello to my mama. She in the chat text. Hey, mommy. <laughs> how you doing? Hey, mommy. Hey, mommy. But, yeah. But, yeah, so in, in, in the midst of, you know, traveling out, um, to the white people of Wakanda. <laughs> I'm sorry, just that's the greatest analogy I can make. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, out there I realized, like, yo, man, God done gave you a call and God put an anointing on you and started, you know, from the lips and the heart of your grandparents and, and, and your elders in your community. You have an obligation to go back. And um, continue to do, you know what I'm saying, what I put you in position and, 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 you know, what I put you here to do. So that's when I figured out. Getting outside of, because I was, you know, I was in between North Carolina, South Carolina, but going, like, really and staying out there in a whole different atmosphere really, like, you know, pushed me back in the direction to continue to follow my purpose. So where are you? Are you in Jacksonville or are you, where you at now? I'm in the poor city. Oh, okay. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Been back All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so I mean, uh, everything from pretty much, you know what I'm saying, okay. by myself. You know what I'm saying. It's a, it's a group of, of my closest, you know what I'm saying, confidants and brothers that I respect, and um, you know, uh, 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 fellow um, recidivism survivors. You know what I'm saying, and, and specific, um niche pocket in regards to you know the way that we coach and the way that we encourage and stuff like that so you know me i'm big on you know education you know what i'm saying and trying to empower encourage you know people to re-pursue their education or not to squander away their education or to maximize the education because that particular route that i chose when i got out you know what i'm saying i wanted to be one of the first people in my family to graduate from college i wanted to you know what i'm saying um do my I didn't even have a GED at that particular time when I came out and I was on this mission. And that goes back to the process again, right? Because remember I told you when I got out, I was volunteering. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was working for free. And then in my downtime, I was going, I used to go like to the um, basic skills, little Joan up at Cape Fear, whatever, and I kept taking the test and I kept failing it. You know what I'm saying? Like the mad portion, though, because I when I went to take my G test, my mom's always instilled in me literacy. So I've always been an avid reader since I was a kid. Like right. the kids was reading like Green Eggs and Ham. I was reading like the Holocaust and all like, you know what I'm saying? Like right. that type of time. Like, so I always just like been 
like very intentional about being self-educated and then being in the school to prison pipeline and had to navigate the self-fulfilling prophecies of my teachers and them telling me because I'm from a certain place, my destiny is this, that, and the third or whatever the case is. I couldn't rely on them to teach me, so I had to teach myself. You know what I'm saying? Right, but that, that goes back to what we were talking about. Like when people speak things on you, and, and it's not everybody, but you know that you got them ones that speak that negative stuff on you and then when you get that one person and, and all it takes is one that come to you and they positive about what you're trying to do and they like look you can overcome anything you don't have to be what people said that you were go out there go out there and go after what you're trying to do you know when you got that one that'll do that it changes the aspects of everything yeah, that happened to me, like, actually, like, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, I was down there taking them tests. I kept failing them. In the meantime, you know, I'm coming out. Remember I said you got all ideas about what you're going to do, how things going to fall in place. I'm recently married. I'm responsible for kids. Like, you know what I'm saying? I know that I can't find a job. I'm not getting paid nothing. You know what I'm saying? My old lady working at the time. She like, baby, it's going to be all right. I'm like, nah, cause all I got to do is pick up the phone, call the plug, call my people, get a pistol. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's nothing. Like, I don't have to be, you know what I'm saying, broke. I don't have to be messed up. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm, I'm carrying all of that in addition to, you know, going down here trying to do the right thing with pursuing, pursuing my education. But I'm this close. But I keep failing because the reason I'm failing is because I didn't walk in the in the GD place, passed all four parts of the test with the exception of math. Like, right. oh, math ain't one of them subjects where you can take 15, 20 years off and then come back and, come back and try to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? So they just like they speaking Chinese. And I'm like, I need this to pass. Like, this ain't make sense. I ain't even gonna use this in real life. They like, nah, that's the protocol. So now I'm at uh, with that. I keep you know failing the test and whatnot. So this particular day when I failed the test, I'm like, yo, if I fail the test this time, I'm going back to do what I know how to do. I'm not gonna keep continuing on this path of a pipe dream. You know what I'm saying? I'm supposed to be doing something to get some money. I got to take care of my family. I got to da 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 Are know? you able to see that? Huh? Was I able? Yeah. No, what? are you able to see what's on the screen? That's a fact, though. That's, that's, that's my mama that said that. Hey, mama. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, and, and like I said, it's different for everybody, but I'm so glad that you brought that up. Like you have you have so much that that people would say um, that would have discouraged you. You got somebody that probably would have ended up coming to you and say, OK, so what you keep going back for? Yeah, you, you can't. Pass, so what you keep going back for you? And you know how people do that too. See, and that's what I'm saying. You you know how people do. And that's the, that's the sad part. Like, yeah. I mean, some people just get on your nerves. You just be like, ah. Oh. Is that I'm reading what it is. Can you see it? Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Well, that's a very layered question. Um, that's a great question. Oh, yeah. 
all I can do is speak, is speak to myself, to be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? What I can't speak for everybody because I honestly, I that's a that's a that's a very high hurdle um, to get over. Just just with everything that's against us, you know what I'm saying? Everything that has been systematically designed because of most of the oppression and primarily all the oppression and everything else that we deal with has been systematically created. I mean, it's just it's a historical fact. So it's going to take a systematic approach to changing the things that keep us oppressed in order, you know what I'm saying, for us to, to really generate any sustainable success in regards to that because like just us coming together collectively, you know what I'm saying, would be a, a start in the right direction, but just look at that, you know what I'm saying, like as soon as you get in position to start doing some things that can be beneficial to other people, then that's the, the same moment you got somebody else stepping up and got something to say and, you know, trying trying to dictate to you how you're supposed to do this or how you're supposed to do that. But instead of having all of that divisive language, they should just be trying to bring you together and encourage you to all be on the same play, on the same page and represent the same, you know what I'm saying, solution. Um, but unfortunately, that doesn't happen. And I think, again, that's because we have been systematically divided, you know what I'm saying? And the system plays off of those, you know, divisions. And it really just starts with the individual at, at that point. Hey, me, I could do everything, you know, in my power, you know what I'm saying, to, to be the best brother that I possibly can, you know what I'm saying, to be the best man I possibly can. You know what I'm saying? But I'm only responsible for how I treat people, not how they respond to it. You know what I'm saying? Right. That's, that's right. You're not, yeah. you're not responsible for the response. I'm not. And that's the biggest hurdle a lot of times because we just can't come together collectively. It's nothing that we can do as individuals that's going to completely promote the solution to our cultural issues. It has to come from a collective. You know what I'm saying? Because we all can gain progression in our own individual ways. You know what I'm saying? Some of us can afford to remove ourselves from some of the same issues and problems that others are facing. You know what I'm saying? And then you can't really knock people for doing that either because, you know what I'm saying, that's a part That's a part of the plan when you're in the right. trying to get out. You know what I'm saying? So what, what would you say to my audience of men okay. that are watching? So what what would you say to them in order to give them that push or that nudge to get back into their rightful places? To get back into what? Their rightful places. Their rightful place. Um, I could just say that start with God. You know what I mean? Because for me to try to come up here and conjure up an answer. To, to that question, I had to start with God because really, I don't, I mean, as much as I want to believe, I know I don't have all the answers, you know what I'm saying? And being, being okay with that allows me to pray for guidance. It allows me to ask for discernment. You know, it allows me to make myself vulnerable and humble enough in order to stay out of my ego and stay closer to God. But the, the ego is the enemy, you know what I'm saying? Right. So is is if I could say anything, I would say, man, just be conscious of your ego. You know what I'm saying? Know how to check your ego. Know how to acknowledge your ego. Know how to identify your ego. You know what I'm saying? Because 
the ego is the equivalent to the ghost and demon that's hovering over your shoulder every day. You know what I'm saying? I was just telling somebody earlier, I was like, yo, nobody can't trick me off the streets with crime. Like, I'm not doing crime. I'm not doing no dirt. I'm so far removed from that. Like, it don't even make sense to me no more. Like, it's so much money out here that you can do without having to look over your shoulder. And that part. It's, it's, that, that stuff don't even excite me no more. You know, I be concerned about, like, yo, don't allow your ego to respond to everything and everybody because some people don't got nothing to lose. You know what I'm saying? Some people don't got nothing to lose. Or some people live vicariously um, through their own misery so they don't right. make other people happy. You know, there's a lot of different reasons, but I just know for me at where I'm at now, like my ego being, being centered and grounded and understanding how to check my ego and, you know, not to put myself in situations where, because if you leave with ego, people are going to respond with ego, right? So there you I, go. I don't put myself in spaces and situations with individuals that's going to leave with ego or invoke my ego, because then I might make a rational decision, you know, rooted in my ego that could jeopardize not just my freedom, but, you know, my life, my wife, my mother. My kids, my grandkids, my brother, you know, the work God has left for me, the people that he has me divinely assigned to, like all of that stuff matters. So for me, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I could just say for me, it's ego because I know personally, like as somebody that's trans, you know, transitioning from the streets, you know what I'm saying, into, into the space God has me now, I can't do it by myself. And I know it's something higher than me. It's got to be something more higher than me and more powerful than me. And you know, I done, I done, I done did it. I done did everything. I done, I done belong to different religions and walks of life, and all of that. But uh, you know, I can get philosophical with with the wisest scholars or orators. But then for me, it's like most profound wisdom that I ever received came from my great grandmama. And the only thing she said before I walked out the door to do whatever I was going out there to do, which God knows what that was, was, baby, Grandma Mamie said, that baby, hold on to Jesus. <laughs> always. I'm like, always, Grandma. I'm like, hey, Grandma, hey, Grandma, say they every time. You need to, Grandma need a new, uh, you need a new, a new pitch, right? He's safe, but then I go, you know, I'll be, I'll be in the room with, with the keywords of syllables and things of that nature, you know what I mean? So, but the times when, uh, when I had a gun pointed at my head or when I did something to somebody and they could have, you know, checked out of here, whatever the case is, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, I got a car accident and the car flipped 16, 17 times or, you know, living some powder and felt my heart about to bust out my chest or, you know, just all of them times, I just remember whenever I ran out of answers, I had an answer. Always go back. Yes. First thing that came out of my mouth was, Jesus, hell. <laughs> it is that every time, though. So, I mean, I, it's I think that people crazy. really forget. Go ahead. I was saying it's going to sound crazy. It's going to sound religious. For me, personally, that's what it is. Start with God, man. Humble yourself and know that God, God is above you. He's within you and he's with you, but he's above all the time. You are beneath him. 
You know what I'm saying? So. I, I think you gave an awesome answer to that first and foremost. So I hope that to all of my fellas that are watching, that y'all caught that. I have the biggest thing where, you know, I like to speak into the life of the men coming from a woman's standpoint. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times the men are bashed by. Yeah, that's a fact. You know what I mean? And the, the biggest thing for me is don't bash them because they get it from everywhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you got to flip the script and be like, hold on, wait a minute. I need you to step up like the king that you are, sir. Yeah. I don't care what they say it over there, but over here, this is what you are. Go past that. You know what I mean? You bigger than that. You bigger than your situation. I know what it looked like, but don't let what it looked like fool you because it's just right now. This is a layover. Well, see, that's that's and that's important because, like, just going back to the original point, like, I I'm never one of them people that ascribe to this concept of being self-made. That's ridiculous. Like, ain't nobody. Right. You know what I'm saying? Everybody, like the commercials say, everybody needs somebody sometime. You know what I'm saying? And hey, look, my woman. You know what I'm saying? Speaking of what you just said, as far as speaking yeah. life into. You know, your man or whatever the case is, like yo, my wife. When I was going through struggles with, you know, I go get guns and come back to the house and sit the gun on 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 the dang on uh bed like it was my uh middle school outfit on the first day. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at the gun like, man, I need to do something. Do something. You know, I'm getting dope and then flushing it down the toilet because I'm trying to fight. The, you know, the urge to get out there and do something, you know, that woman would come to me and she'd be like, you know, you you might, you greater than what you think you are. You know what I'm saying? That part. You're worth more than, you know, doing what you think that, that, that only you can do, yada, 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 whatever the case is. And um, she was very, very diligent about, like, the times when I wanted to go back to the streets. You know, she she pleaded with me. You know, she, she stated, okay, she... I wanted to make her get to the point where she would just be like, okay, do do what you got to do. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, going for it. Like, she, 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 whatever her conviction was in regards to the purpose that God was revealing in her eyes through prophecy, for me, she seen it even clearer than I did. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, she she poured into me the same way you were speaking to it. And I had to give her, you know, a boat and a lot of credit, you know what I'm saying, for my ability to stay focused and free because she never she never made me feel bad. Like, I had got some jobs that weren't the greatest of jobs, and, you know, obviously I didn't like the concept and idea of having to start off with slave wage, wages in my mind or whatever. I didn't know about the process. I just thought I was supposed to get out here and somebody's supposed to give me $18 or $20 just because I'm willing to work for them. You know what I'm saying? So I had jobs where my mind wasn't right. You know, I cussed the people out or got, you know, got into it with coworkers or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't have a job no more. I quit a lot. You know what I'm saying? I got fired from some. And when I came home, she said, it's all right. We'll get them tomorrow. Like I said, I'm putting this stuff up on the screen, so I'm hoping you can, you can see it. So what people are saying to you. That's a fact, though. That's a fact. It take a village to do more than just raise a child.
Yeah. You right, mom. You know. right. Mama know. <laughs> no. Mama won them she rolls. That she is, I can guarantee you. I already know. <laughs> yeah, she she she's that's that why. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why, but she dealt with a lot, you know what I'm saying? Just just to navigate and, and have patience with the maturation of my mindset. Cause where I am today, I definitely won't, you know, 10 years ago and I won't even where I am now, probably two reasons. No, I'm just playing. But you know, two years ago or whatever, you know what I'm saying? I learned something new. So yeah, but I she mean, it, it's just awesome. Like for real, for real. Just to know the little bit that I do know and and to be able to have this conversation. Cause I call it a conversation. I don't even call it the interview. Because that's what I title that's what I titled the show is conversations with you here. You know what I mean? I, I call it to have this conversation with you. In, in hopes that a young man is listening, young woman even, is listening that can understand you can go past it. Like that's the biggest, you can go past it. If you can see the bigger picture, I think a lot of times where we fall short is we can't see past this. This is all people look at right here. If they can't see past this, they don't go further than that. My 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 way of looking at stuff is I always think about if I do this right now, what's going to be the bigger outcome? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my way of thinking. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If I do this, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, intention, action, outcome. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the biggest thing for me. Um, right there is I just want to make sure that my out the outcome and who is going to affect down the line. You know, I know that, yeah, it got an effect right now, and the effect to me look good, sound good, but down the line, it may not be so. That's a fact. You know? And you that's, got- one of the, that's one of the biggest things that I, I, I always drill into myself, like, mm, take a picture, think about it, think about it. We, we, are raising, we are raising nations. Thank you. My son is the same way, and he is learning daily. That's what mommy said. Indeed, mom. I like this. This is coming from the co-host. Um, sometimes it takes someone that wants nothing from you, and the only thing they want from you is to see you win. That's a fact. That's it. Because I mean, every day you don't always you don't always find people or run into people that that's all they want. Like for me, that's my thing. I don't want nothing from you. Mm-hmm. All I want you to do is drop nuggets from folks. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I didn't reach out. Jameer, I need that or that. No, that was never my thing. Look, I'm, I'm asking you, can you come on to share hey. what you about so it can help somebody else down the line? You know, and that's... Man, I told you, I'm a, I'm a fan and I respect the integrity of the intentions and the content that y'all been putting out. I listen to the conversations. I listen to the topics. I like the way y'all approach the conversation. I like, you know what I'm saying? I like the transparency and I like the authenticity, you know what I'm saying? And you standing on what you believe in the face of, you know, because let's be honest, like when you start talking about faith and things of that nature, you know, that's not always the most popular narrative or the popular conversation. So for y'all to stand on, you know, stand on the principles of the platform that, you know, that you're trying to put before the people with what you're trying to say and how you're saying it, like, 
I'd much rather come up here than come on a lot of different shows, even if I had the opportunity, you know what I'm saying? Because I know that our intentions and the integrity of those intentions is in line. So, so again, I appreciate you bringing up that. I'm, and I'm, I appreciate you. You don't have no idea. I'm trying to tell you, you you have you have said some awesome stuff up here tonight, and I'm I'm very very grateful for what you have came on and said. So my mama says we have to know that what has happened in our lives is temporary, and people are in your life to alter your present, to push you into your your now and your future. Right, mama. That's that. Let me, let me tell you how real that is. Right. Mm -hmm. So. When you said, when did I figure out I had a purpose and I told you I had to have the whatever. So that was like part of the process. But one of the <laughs> things that happened to me is I had a, um, I had a mind altering encounter with a drug counselor the last time I was incarcerated. Right. And, um, you know, I, I actually was able to kind of like finesse my way into the situation because I had a paid lawyer. So, you know, anybody that's been in the streets that were hustled or whatever, you know, like, if you get an opportunity through your lawyer to work your magic and make yourself look like the addict versus the dealer, you know what I'm saying? And you know that the statues and the time gonna be a little, is going to be lighter than that, you know what I'm saying, of somebody that's possession with a tent to sell and deliver, yada, yada, yada. So, right. you know, my lawyer was able to put me in a position where I can go to an alternative sentencing program um, for, you know, as a, as a quote-unquote recovering addict. And, right. and I went into it like, Ha! Got over on y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But when I went into the program and had this mind altering encounter with this individual named uh, Anthony Barnhart, he was a drug counselor. He wore these little um, Bill Cosby uh, sweaters, and he, he one leg like it was longer than the other. And uh, one day we was in the, you know, we was in the um, classroom or whatever, and he presented this. Um, um, this uh this hypothetical situation where we find out um that our girlfriend um was messing around with our best friend, you know what I'm saying? So he was like, you know, how whoa, you know, how would y'all respond? So, you know, all of us, you know what I'm saying, we hooting and high fiving and you know what I mean, we 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 done slandered and slayed the imaginary traitors, you know what I'm saying? So um you know, everybody answer is pretty much in unison because people was like, yo, I kill her, I kill him, I do whatever, you know what I'm saying? And he looked at me and the rest of the class over his glasses and he looked at us like we had to be the biggest idiots he ever stood in front of. And then he went on to go up to the board and he wrote this equation, I over E times A equals S. What that meant was intellect over emotion times action. Uh -huh. Right? So that just, he's like, man, if you would have been exercising intelligence over emotion, then you would have understood. And this wasn't even another super profound. This is really just common sense. But this is how crazy the streets and ego and I, you know, erratic emotional landscape had us feeling. So he was like, yo, if you would have been practicing emotional intelligence, then you understand that. Even if you do something to her, she's still going to be out here, you know, doing what she do anyway. You know what I'm that saying? Part. And plus, you're not looking at how you're going to have, you know, a ripple effect on this person's family, his kids, and your community, and all of this. Um. So, so what mama just said is real because 
when that man came in my life and dropped them gems on me like that, he changed the trajectory of my perception. Like from there, I went back in my room and started introspecting it. And I was like, man, I got to get it together. You know what I'm saying? And every right. since it's been it's, it's one of the biggest one of the biggest things that I always make sure I say to people is that first of all, don't ever do anything when you're emotional. Because you you will make a lifelong decision with your emotions over something that's supposed to be temporary. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that. You know, my, my way of thinking ain't like everybody else's way of thinking. And some people be like, you just so deep all the time. It's not that I'm so deep. It's just this my way of thinking. You know, I don't think about just what's in front of me. I think about the trajectory. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I know I have assignments. That's a fact. My assignments are are people. My assignments ain't always what I'm doing career wise, but my assign most of my assignments are people related. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I know that what I do can affect my assignments, and I don't want to do that to them because yeah. that's not fair to yeah. them, right? You know, so that's that's like my biggest thing is that you can't come and you can't think out of your emotions all the time. And first of all, I don't like to do nothing when I'm emotional. When I'm emotional, I tell people to leave me alone. Yeah. Okay. Let let me deal. Let me deal, and yeah. I'll come back to you. But you know. Like, well, I'm going to say, I ain't going to just say, man, I'm going to say, like, for me, it was more or less like, uh, I didn't even really understand what emotions look like. So I just kind of looked at it like, I didn't even realize that, that what people considered emotions was emotions, right? So I just, I just looked at it like emotions for me was just temporary thoughts, you know what I'm saying? And then I, I've been socializing and it's, I've been socialized to 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 uh to have feelings but not to feel nothing. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't until after the encounter that I had with him and I went and started digging deep. I'm like, oh, so you mean to tell me like, you know, um anger or you know, resentment or uh you know, all these different things that I could equate to being specific emotions that I've never even recognized or even, you know, label or put in the same category of emotion. So now it's like opening up everything now. So I'm like, oh, bro, I'm like, I'm able to connect specific emotions or the lack of emotional intelligence with my errors and mistakes. Like I'm able to go back and retrospect. Oh, oh, that's why I did that because, you know, I was, I was resentful at my pops, but I didn't even recognize that as being an emotion because I've been socialized to suppress anything that would that I felt or I felt other people felt would paint me in light of being vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? Or or doing anything that I felt like could be deemed as being a weaker version of myself. You know what I'm saying? And then based on and being, you know what I'm saying, stuck in survival mode and all of that, you know, it's never really, like, like I couldn't make practical sense of, like, what you were saying. I couldn't do that because I just, I, my, emotionally, I was out of whack. Like, I really just didn't understand how to deal with that stuff, how to manage it, you know what I'm saying? But 
met him and started really getting to the bottom of it and making myself more vulnerable and more open to being receptive, you know what I'm saying, to even acknowledging that I got emotion. Right. Things just helped me maturing as a man and taking the next level of maturity as a man, you know what I'm saying, but but it also helped me, you know, acknowledge and deal with my own issues in regards to mental health or, you know, spiritual transformation. Okay, you got some people that's asking questions, so let's start with this this right here first. She said, "Never do anything when you are in the heat of moments because moments change. How we respond can cause a lot of problems." That's a fact, and that's that's a true statement. And then she said this question: How would you minister to a young man who feels abandoned or rejected by the father the father figures in their life? Hmm. Um. Put it like this. Um, I didn't have no father figure in my life, you know what I'm saying? And um, there were other individuals that ministered to me, and um, a lot of those individuals I didn't necessarily gravitate to because I felt like they didn't understand my specific experience. Um, and um, a lot of times I feel like my mom, she um she kinda like was she kinda like was being reactionary to, to, to the circumstance. So she would just try to go out of her way to find people to to play that role in my life. You know what I'm saying? And and by doing that, it was kind of like a builder bear almost because she had to go out and try to get multiple individuals just to build one particular positive role model in my life. And then she never really, uh, she never really asked me what I wanted, you know what I'm saying? Um, or if I even wanted to, you know, be around them individuals, you know what I'm saying? So for me, if I ministered to any young man, the first thing I want to find out is, you know what I'm saying? How does the absence of your father make you feel? You know what I'm saying? Good question. Yeah. How does it make you feel? You know what I'm saying? Not how it make your mama feel, not how it make, you know, your grandmama feel or whatever the case is. How does it make you feel? And I think creating that understanding first and foremost is imperative because, you know, just me ministering to him specifically, he don't know me. You know what I'm saying? He don't know me. I'm trying to get to know him, but I need to find out how that makes him feel. Because what I find a lot of times is that, especially young men, it goes back to what I was just discussing. They don't want to be vulnerable and they don't want to open up and even acknowledge the fact that, you know, they having quote unquote daddy issues or whatever the case is. You know what I'm saying? They don't even want to speak to that because right. they They've, they've been in a position where they've socialized themselves to become the same father that they're seeking. You know what I'm saying? So now they become the man. They become the man of the house. So for me, the first thing I want to do when I'm ministering to any young man is just to meet them where they at, find out how does it make them feel. And instead of, instead of trying to tell them how they should feel, I just try to take how they say they feel and use it as a means to show them other options on how to process the way they feel, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Because I think it's very important. Like, for me, I've learned, like, the difference between, like, coaching and counseling is that, you know, a counselor is typically going to sit down, tell you everything that's wrong, and then give you all. 
solutions. You know what I'm saying? A coach's job is to help you cultivate different perspectives and understandings and then to help you come up with your own options. You know what I'm saying? And then lead you in the direction of choosing what you feel like is most beneficial to you. So with a, with a, with a young man who's having them kind of issues, first I'm going to figure out why he feel like that. And then I'm going to help him figure out, okay, if your father was around, then, you know, if ideally, if you could paint that picture yourself, what would it look like? What is it? What is it that you feel that you're missing from your, you know, your father's presence? And how does that look to you? You know, what what would suffice? You know, whatever it is you desire in regards to his presence. And once I figure that out, then I would try to see like, okay, is there a possibility? for this young man to, you know what I'm saying, to continue or strengthen his relationship with his father. And a lot of times, you know, what I find is not. Like, it's not because of just the circumstances or whatever the case is, or maybe it's the parents can't come on the same accord or whatever. So now, now you have to start asking yourself, okay, so how can we create a positive supplement for those voids and those spaces that, you know, he's unable to fill because his father ain't around. So then I get on my build a bear you know what I'm saying? So I start pushing, I would, I would encourage him to push yourself in the direction of other individuals who fit that same mold of the things that he feels like his father leaves behind. And that's where the other, you know, gentlemen in the community and the brothers, and, and that's where we have to step up because there ain't no real dead set answer because when you're dealing with somebody like that, you know, the the, the worst thing outside of a, a, a an absent father is a father that's present that's absent. Right. You know what I mean, right. so it's a big void to fill. And it ain't one pastor, it ain't one preacher, it ain't one, you know, it ain't one football coach, it ain't one, you know, teacher that's going to completely fulfill that void and be able to take that hurt away from that child. But what they can do is collectively come together and play a part, you know, and filling those voids, but you first have to recognize exactly what those are. You can't really assume that you know because it's him that feel like that. I I so love the answer. So does my mom. She said, "I love your. I love the way you put that hashtag build a bear." Um. Then she said, "Awesome answer to the question. Love you for that." And then she said that she had another question. She said, "Do you feel like a male is a punk for crying about this issue?" Crying about Eddie issues? Yeah. Nah, I definitely don't think that. You know what I'm saying? But again, um, that's my understanding from where I am now. You know, mentally and emotionally. But there was a time when, when again, when I felt like crying was a means of of showing weakness. You know what I'm saying? And like, even now, I, I like it's crazy because like if you Sometimes for me, it's like an analogy of, of a tiger, right? One of the biggest things that I feel was being taken out of the environment, losing my instincts, losing my, you know, will to respond to the demands of my environment. And that come with culture, that come with peer pressure, that come with expectation. You know what I'm saying? So I always feel like if I stepped away from, you know, doing the wrong thing and started doing the right thing or somebody put me in that position, I'd be the equivalent of taking a tiger out of the jungle and then sticking him in the zoo, you know what I'm saying, and telling them, hey, you could be, you know, you, you could be good here at the zoo too. And then eventually, 
they come in for whatever reasons, they take me out the zoo and put me back in the jungle. And now I'm out there without the ability to instinctively respond to to everything that that that, that calls for. And that's and the same thing can be said for, for a young kid that doesn't want to cry or does cry and other people are ridiculing him for crying about the situation. What happens is if they laugh at him while he's crying, then eventually it's going to desensitize him. You know what I'm saying? Eventually he's going to, he's going to start naturally wanting to respond to the demands of his environment, the appropriate way or what they deem is the appropriate way, which would be suppress your emotions, act like you don't got none, act like you don't care about nothing, act like you desensitize, you don't feel nothing. When somebody say something, make you mad, so I don't care. You know what I'm saying? And the first thing coming, I don't care. But that's a process. You know what I'm saying? They being so not to care. And it comes, you know, so no, no, I don't I don't think that that's uh being a punk or nothing like that. I actually think it takes a real strong man in order, you know what I'm saying? Show his emotions, yeah. And still feel comfortable in his own skin. You know what I'm saying? Like I if I cry right now or I feel emotional, if I say something. You know, some people might think like saying something sweet to your significant other or something like that in front of your boys or something like that is somehow soft or whatever the case is. But y'all can't cook. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't trying to sweet talk y'all. Y'all can't. None of y'all can't cook. Some of y'all ugly. So I have to ask this question, and you kind of already hit on it a little bit, but I have to ask that now that you are in a father father figure role yourself. That's a fact. I am a father. Right. That's right. So now that you are in a father figure role yourself, what is the one thing that you as a man say or that you do differently than what you dealt with coming up? Um... I think for me, like with with, this is a crazy dynamic. Like to how I came in the fatherhood, just even beyond just being in a relationship with my wife beforehand. But um, um, like okay, so for instance, when I when, when I was raising my kids, there was a time when um, you know, early on in my transition, I was still smoking weed. I was still drinking, you know what I'm saying? I was still doing the same thing, you know, a lot of us do for our, our common pastimes or whatever the case is. But uh, they ain't never let me do it, you know what I'm saying? They ain't never, I never let them see me do anything like that because it kind of remind me like, you know, I with your grandmama and you be around the barn or something like that. And y'all be might be back there smoking and doing whatever you can, but when grandma come around, you're gonna cuff that, you're gonna throw it away out of respect. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now, it ain't that same level of respect, you know what I'm saying? You know, and every era is different. But it, for me, it was the same thing. Like those values and principles, like I don't want my kids to see or, or witness the same things that I witnessed when I was coming up. So don't get me wrong, they ain't slow. Kids be knowing stuff. So they, you know, they they look at the trash can like, oh, you drinking? <laughs> or, or they're like, what's that smell coming from? The, what's this? What's the smell coming from the room or whatever? But they couldn't ever physically lay their eyes on what I was doing. So for me, that was like, I'm not saying that I shouldn't have probably been doing it at all. But you know, for me, I was just conscientious of that because I didn't want to do anything that could uh 
wrongfully, you know what I'm saying, push them in the direction of trying to mimic, you know, the worst attributes of myself while I was in the process of developing. Right. Right. Um, and that's what I learned. I needed patience with the kids because, you know, trying to get them like, look, you need to do it like this. And my wife would, you know, she'll remind me like, yo, you've been, you've been them, you've been, there was a time when nobody couldn't tell you nothing either. So I really emphasize doing a lot of lecturing because I like to talk. So that's one thing I definitely, um, I definitely uh, implemented with, with my kids. I would talk their head off. Like, I mean, that's a good thing, though. <laughs> they, that's, that's a good thing. You got so many people that don't talk to their kids. That's a fact, though. I mean, you think about it. When your children would go outside of you to talk to somebody else, they feel like, well, listen, that's a problem. It really you is. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're grateful for it, especially if they find somebody that's giving them, like, really good wisdom. But if they just going outside of you to talk to somebody else and the advice ain't good because they don't feel like they could come to you, that's a problem. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's no, that's not what that's why you want to make sure that your relationship with your children or anybody really, for that matter, is um, like kind of an open door policy. You can come to me. and You can talk to me about anything, but I'm going to give you honest, sound advice. Now, yeah. if that's something that you don't want, then I'm not the one you need to come talk to. Yeah, you, you got know. an example though. You got to exemplify the example you try to set. And right. I always, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm like, do as I say, not as I do. You know what I'm saying? Early on, now understanding that even something as subtle as like, I think I'm doing a good gesture by hiding stuff from them, right? But kids ain't stupid, kids ain't slow. And when you're trying to install particular values and morals into your children, they taking mental notes. So every time they see you step to the left or out of pocket or whatever the case is, it kind of provides a barrier between what you're trying to tell them and what they need to retain because they're always able to rationalize the reason for not listening to what you're saying based off of something they feel like you did that you stand of. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I tell my, my son, like, yo, don't be smoking no weed, boy. You about to mess up. You know, you playing sports. You about to mess up your life. And, you know what I'm saying? Not like that, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, just telling them, yeah. like, yo, choose to do this versus that. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, early on in my process, there was things that, that he witnessed because he slow that kind of made him less receptive, you know, to what, to what I was trying to tell him. But eventually I understood, like, my life has to in line on all the chords in order for me, because being the man of the house is a is a real live obligation. It's not something that you get just by the title of being a male that lives in the house. You know, right. I mean? to be the man of the house comes with a whole different level of obligation and responsibility. And if you ain't never been in the household with a man in the house, you know what I'm saying? Right just males in the house, you know what I'm saying, then you don't might not necessarily have that understanding. So for me, like, even fatherhood was like a very steep learning curve because I didn't have, you know what I'm saying, my my pops and them around me, you know what I'm saying, helping right. figure this man this manhood thing out. Okay, okay. And like I said, you've given so many great answers tonight, you know. Um, so my mom said, was it your worst or the plan? So I asked her to explain just in case you didn't understand what she was asking.
but she um so i'm asking her to mommy if you're listening and i know you are can you explain that please um so but it's it's just one of those things where i had to ask that question because you know that once you have something that you did not have um and it's now your turn to be that how do you deal with it you know what i mean just like there's a lot there's a lot of things that i did not learn from my mom you know what i mean so to come into and my mama was never married you know so to come into um the uh womanhood and and become a wife i didn't have nobody to show me that like you know what i'm saying that was something that i had to learn and i knew that i had to be I had to be this type of individual to this man. Yeah. But I had to show this man that, hey, you know, I'm I'm not trying to override you. I'm not going to overstep over here. I'm here to help. I'm here to help not get on your nerves. And this, you know, right. So that's that's that was the thing that I had to learn on my own because I didn't have nobody to teach. Yeah. And um, I took a lot of stuff from from the word, of course. And then I took a lot of stuff from watching people in my life that were married do it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, right. And to be honest, I'm, I'm just, just being real. No, I, mean, I, I, watched, I watched a lot of people in my life that were married do it the wrong way. And the stuff that I saw them do to their spouses and, and they call themselves married, I always said that I would never do. Yeah, well, some people not married, married. Right. Right. You know what I mean? And and that's that's like one of the things for me too. I was just like, you know, y'all, y'all, y'all married for real, but you bringing this into no, I can't, you know, and that would just be stuff that I would look at. And then, you know, when I have those friends that was going out, me as a married person, I really didn't hang out with a lot of single people after I got married. Because at the end of the day, your thinking and my mindset ain't the same. I can't go out here and go out with you at night. And when we go out, this is what you're doing. Right. You got different priorities. Right. I can't go out with you at night and this is what we're doing. And you got somebody in my face because, see, you better make me hurt his feelings. Yeah. And I, I don't want to have to do that. Like, you know, so get, at the end of the day, I'm going to Let's be honest. We go to bed at 9 o'clock anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what you say? Look, I, like I told you, I told you I slept all day Sunday. Okay? Look. Man, I'm trying to tell you, I don't be playing. Look, now you know the club don't close to like the first call, last call is at 2 30. You ain't supposed to show up till more. That part. <laughs> I was- <laughs> I want to go at I want to go at eight o'clock. Ain't like, ain't nobody out there. Yes. Look, and I, I don't even think people really understand that anymore. I don't look. I don't do what I used to do when I was when I was younger because it just ain't my thing anymore. Now, now going out unless I go out to like karaoke or something, going out kind of bores me. Now, like, no, I be like. Right, you know, like this is I like. like my I Say yeah, it again. I like to eat, though. No, I like to. There you go. That that part. That part. Uh, but like club hopping type of stuff. Absolutely not. No, I would go out to karaoke because I love to laugh at the people. Now, you got people that will get up there behind that mic. I know you see the words on the screen, and you still can't sing them right. I be dying, like for real. Where so, I got yeah. to holler my conversation, I don't belong. 
right so I, I just can't but you know i'll be having i enjoy my karaoke night every once in a blue moon but you know but that's still it goes back to say a lot about you as a person at the end of the day you can't do the stuff that you used to do because there are now other people involved absolutely you know what i mean and, okay so my mom said he said his words and I was asking, was it the worst of him or the plan of God? That's what she said. Um, that's a good question. That's a good question. And um, I probably lean more towards what you said, because <laughs> again, like you know, in retrospect, you know, they say. I remember an old man told me he said, um, "High sight is twenty twenty. and um, he said, and it's crazy because you get that at forty. <laughs> I said. <laughs> I said <laughs> I said, that makes sense. Because, you know, at 40, when I look back, man, you know, I'm 40, I'm 42 now. I turned 40 and start looking back. And I'm like, you know, even though obviously in retrospect, there's things that I wish I could go back and change and uh, decisions that I wish I would have made differently or whatever the case is, I do realize now that where I'm at in life, that everything happens, you know, according to the will of God. So, right. I feel like we all are given, um, you know, at the beginning of, of, of coming into our and finding our destiny that we all given parallel paths, right? And each are ordained, you know what I'm saying, by God, you know what I'm saying? It's just that you can go the way he wants you to go or you can go the way you want to go. Um, ultimately, you're going to find your way back um, to seeking direction to go in the right destination. So both paths might lead to the same destination, but the difference is the type of stuff that you go through um, between the two, you know what I'm saying? Because one is you on the path by yourself and right. the other is you with God, you know what I'm saying? So, right. yeah, so I'll say that everything that I've been through, you know, sometimes I chose the wrong path, but everything that, that I've encountered and, um, God has put in my life or allowed in my life to happen has been, you know, I believe for the divine purpose and the anointing that he placed on me in order to, you know, to go out and utilize my lived experience, you know what I'm saying, to help other people. And ultimately, at some point when I get to that point, I'm still striving, you know, really be responsible for bringing souls back in the direction of the kingdom. That's what I, I really feel like ultimately is, is is my purpose but um since i'm still trying to you know reconstruct and shape my flesh <laughs> the right way you know what i'm saying to to reflect my spirit and um and i'm i'm, I'm waiting on him to decide when he want me to do that <laughs> awesome my mama said great i i so appreciate it so are you still are you still at chicago glory chicago glory yeah 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 okay please tell apostle i say hello I haven't seen her in such a long time, but please tell her I said hello. I so will. I probably yes. I'm, I'm gonna have to make me a special trip down there one Sunday. So long. I, I have to come in and, and visit you guys because it's been such a long time. I haven't seen her now since ooh, maybe 2017 because they had something for her. They had a get together for her at the the little building downtown. You know, where they used, to, they used to go play bingo and all that stuff at, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? And they had something for her um, then, and I came to to support them for having it, and I surprised her, because she didn't think I was going to come. Um, and I came, and I showed up, and I had a birthday gift for her, 
and everybody was there. I said, this is so awesome. I'm so glad they did this for you. And I think that's the last time that I've seen her. Yeah. Um, so it will be nice to see her. Again. She, that's, that's, you know, that's another thing I, I recommend and encourage guys, man, get you a spiritual advisor, you know, yes. get right, that season in the word, you know, not just no fly by, you know, and, and that ain't no knock to anybody to come in today. You know, in today's time at any given time, but I'm saying like for me, it's just like when I choose a therapist, I right. go to the therapist, I say, listen, uh, I need somebody with at least 30 years experience, 20, 30 years experience, because this is a big onion they got the daggone peel, you know what I'm talking about? Right. No young person younger than me and ain't really got no experience. <laughs> you know, I done had to fire a couple therapists, you know. Oh God. Mm -mm. Yeah, right, but uh, get you a spiritual advisor, man. You need somebody seasoned in that word. You need somebody to ask you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, she's been doing ministry for 40 years. Like, yeah, she has. Aunt, yeah. aunt, yo, like her and my aunt Gwen. I don't know if you know my aunt Gwen, but yeah, final refuge, like this, you know, them, them, my, my, my guardian angels. So they've been coming to see me when I was in jail, you know what I'm saying? Because you know, they had immediate access to right. Because you know they was minister, so yeah. they want to see me in jail. They see me at my worst, and now they see me now. But having her in my life is is is, and my aunt too, my aunt Gwen, both of them. You know what I'm saying? Is I can't even explain it, like because they still they know what I'm doing and everything, but they still don't mind. And our brother threatened to put that belt to me. That's love. Yeah, serious too. <laughs> I love it. Like I said, please tell them both I said hello. I haven't seen them in such a long time. And um, I mean, it'll be awesome to come down and visit y'all anyway. So yeah, I gotta come visit. It'll probably be, yeah, it'll be in April sometime because I gotta I gotta go see my spiritual mama this weekend. So yes, it'll but I, I gotta come and visit y'all. Yeah, so, my mom said thank you. She said, God bless you both. Love you. Got to go do homework. This was a great conversation. Thank you, mommy. Yes. You know, I'll call you later. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm so excited for my mommy because she um she said wonderful to meet you. Like um, I'm so excited for her because my mommy get ready to graduate from college. So really? yeah, she graduates next month. So I'm so happy for her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, went keep, back to college. Keep, uh, went back to college after all these years and she did it. So I'm, yeah. I'm so keep, happy for her. Keep, Keep me up to date with the with the date that happened. Oh, I will. I'll yeah. definitely let you know. Yeah. And some flowers. Yeah. I appreciate you. Yes, because I be I'm so I'm so happy for her because she she finally did it and it's a great accomplishment for her. So, super, super. Love you, mommy. <laughs> the one only I the one and only in her family. Oh, really? Yeah. See, that's a that's a great example of yeah. of resilience. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. A great example of resilience. Shouts yeah. out. That's dope. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so excited. And she she is uh she said it was so wonderful to meet you. Um and I will definitely keep you posted on how she's doing and when she graduates I will get the date from her so you'll know. Um and I understand mama should go do your homework you know I'll call you later. Um but I, I it has been one of those great conversations that we have had tonight. So right before we get ready to get up off of this, this thing right here, please tell the people, one, how they can find you, two, give them the name of what you do, 
I already posted your website link, but I'm going to repost it again before we get off of here because I think it moved up in the comment section. And um, let me let us know if you have any type of events coming up. Um, well, I had one coming up, but it got rescheduled to August. So, um, yeah, we in the process of putting some things together, but right now you can, um, you can follow, you know, whatever, whatever we decide to put together in the near future. Here. You can definitely follow us on www.remainresilientsc.com. That stands for Remain Resilient Speaking and Coaching. Um, you can definitely check us out there. You can check us out on Instagram at too far to fail. That's T O O F A R T O F A I L at Too Far to Fail. Um, and you can go on our website. You know, one of the things that we do um as a social enterprise is we actually publish um incarcerated authors, you know what I'm saying? So individuals nice. so individuals that's uh, incarcerated in juvenile detention or jail or prison. Um, we try to do what we can to um, put them in position to get their first manuscript out. Um, we, we typically, oh. like, you know, one, we don't do a whole lot of them because we covering all the publishing costs, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. They ask for residuals in regards to royalties and all that. We, we typically, if we take anything, we take like 10%, but all of the stuff that we do um, from our advocacy apparel, which is our little t-shirt line, which, um, pretty much was used as an advocacy tool. You know, it's a reminder um, to stay conscious, to stay positive, but it also covers certain um, justice reform issues such as mandatory minimums, uh, felon disenfranchisement. So our goal is to allow people to aware, I mean, to wear awareness towards the goals. Um, and you send me the link to that. Definitely will. Um, you can find it on, on, on the website. The advocacy apparel is up there. Um, I also okay music so that we publish music we post um we publish socially conscious music though you know what i'm okay. saying change not change but i ain't gonna say change the narrative because everybody's art comes for their reality but for me the goal of the music that i do and the individuals that i rock with you know what i'm saying is to offer an alternative message and to create social balance within the music culture you know what i'm saying so we really speak to utilizing the music as a means to plant seeds um in the people here especially the youth you know what i'm saying to continue the conversation like the one we have tonight so um when you go I to appreciate it you're gonna hear you know, you won't hear real rap, like real reality, struggle music, uh, victorious music, you know, ambitious music, motivational music, things of that nature. Um, we also have a blog, um, and a blog of consistent individuals that's behind the wall um, that share their insight, you know what I'm saying, and their talents and things of that nature in order to uh, really speak and to tear the youth out here from following their footsteps. So. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And the well, you let you uh, let any you let any of the fellas or anybody that y'all deal with that's currently incarcerated that's about to get out. Yeah. Tell them to find me. Thanks. Um, because I I would really like to have them on. Yeah. Um, just so just so they have a way of of being able to share. You yeah. know what I mean. So please tell them to hit me up. Tell them to find me. Um, and you have my email address. Go ahead. I'm sorry, but make, I don't want to forget. Make sure if you're out there, go to Amazon and get um, Cell Therapy, Poetic Reflections of an Innocent Man. 
that <clears throat> that was uh the first title that we put out last year um is actually my nephew um who is type it in the comment section okay yeah type it in the comment section okay. and then that way we can um and i can go get it and link it yeah yeah, and I can pin it in the the comments after the show if I have to too. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so but make sure y'all go check that out. My book will be dropping maybe could come this summer. It could come at the end of the year. We're working with um some different situations as far as distribution and publishing. So like I could I could publish it myself, but you know if I can get it a bigger look. And you know, get it in front of the people that you know we specifically targeting with it being centered around recidivism. You know, we working with some other entities that have a lot more uh, influence and um, you know, power to put us in position and get to get the message in front of the right people. Like I said, you keep me posted. You got my email. Anytime y'all got flyers, any type of events, email them to me, and I'm gonna circulate it. So. Um, just let me know, and I, when I make my announcements, I'll make your announcement with our stuff. So, you know, just this way people can know what y'all got going on. Because I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm really, I'm really waiting to see exactly where you guys are headed, how big this thing is going to be. Because I know it's going to be a lot bigger than what it is right now. Um, um, and, and one of the biggest things, the, you know, right. That's part of the that's part of the game plan is to go through the motions. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all a process, but that that process is a good process. There's nothing wrong with with taking the time to make it right. That's exactly. Well, we, we are in the process of trying to do a little um speaking tour. You know what I'm saying? Up seventeen or whatever the case is, like the seventeen corridor or whatever. But okay. we want to say like if you go to our website, if you reach out to us and email us on our email, okay. And, at remainresilientsc.com. We right now we we doing a whole lot of uh, uh, pro bono speaking. So if it's an organization or a community event, or you know you got a group of kids that you're working with, or whatever the case is, and yeah. you want you want to get you know me myself, my brother, um, my other comrades that's within the fold. You know who each of you go on the website, you can see each of them individual stories. They all got powerful testimony. Okay. Well, we are. I have to get with the co-host to find out when she's going to do it. Um, but we are doing a stop the violence event. Okay. Um, and it will be great to have y'all there. Yeah. Um, I will let you know. I know we're going to do it twice. We're going to do one here, and then we're going to do one that's going to be a little further up north. Okay. Um, I have to find out exactly where at up north because that hasn't been locked in stone just yet. Um, but I know that the one here is going to be right before the summer comes in. Okay. So, and I, I make sure that you have the date so that it doesn't coincide with something else you already got going on. No um, and, but I'll make sure that you get the dates early so you can put it on your calendar. Uh, and it doesn't matter if all of y'all come to speak. You know uh, what I mean? All of y'all get, you know, come up and drop your nuggets and, and do what you do and drop your gems. It don't matter to us. But in, anything, anything that we're Right. Anything that will help deter the young folk and keep them on track is what we all about, you know, at the end of the day. No yeah, so, we be, we be, we be honored, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, you already know, I'll be honored to have y'all there. I'm also having a gala in September. Hello. Um, and I'm going to keep you posted about that. It is formal, so you and your wife got to come. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Um, and I want y'all to come and enjoy yourself. It's going to be an empowerment thing, like a one night banquet slash conference type of mode. But I promise you, I promise you, you guys will enjoy. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to have a lot of fun. Huh? Having fun and handling business at the same time. That part. That part. So I'm, I'm just super excited. And I know that my, my spiritual parents have some things going on too. Um, with the, the kids ministry and I will get with my mom and I will talk to her to see um, you know exactly what we got going on with that too so I mean it, it's a lot coming down the pipe I don't mind and I don't mind involving y'all um, in anything especially if I know that it's going to make a difference in a young person's life so That's, I'm all for it you know we 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 are here to make to make a difference more so than make a dollar you know what I'm saying that part we don't just want to leave an impression we want to leave an impact so and I, that's why i say you know people say well how much y'all charge it just depends you know what i'm saying right uh, we won't charge nothing. I mean, anything that consists now my thing if, if it's local i don't have to have nothing you know yeah. what i mean but anything for me if it consists of me having it and you got right, anything that consists of me having to travel and like stay over that might be a little different you know, but anything that's local, that's yeah. that, that's neither high nor here for me. I don't, I don't, I don't try to charge people. In the right. City. You know, so that 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 I don't, I I don't really face uh too much about. So, and I got some seminar stuff that I'm getting ready to do too, and I that I can bring y'all in on. So I'm really excited. <laughs> we got um, cause you know we got curriculum and everything too. So we we our coaching comes right, you know, right down that professional development. You know what I'm saying? Um, we got, you know, youth deterrence curriculum, all kinds of stuff. So, you know what I mean? We 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 can make we can do breakout sessions, we can do all that. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. So yeah. Um, so right before I get off of you guys, I told y'all I had some announcements going on down the pipe. I'm definitely gonna keep y'all posted about what Mr. Jamil got going on because I'm so excited to hear the rest and see some other stuff in action. Y'all already see. That he dropped nuggets on top of nuggets tonight. I hope that if you had a notepad, you wrote some of this stuff down. Y'all see his website. Go hit it up because he has a lot going on. Do not sleep on him. That's all I got to say. So my uh, thing for y'all tonight, the biggest announcement is the Prophetic Conference. My baby, my baby, my baby. So I started it last year. We had the first one last year. The second one is going to be this year, the title of the prophetic conference this year is called the waiting room experience. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. It is going to be on July the 30th. Um, so I am going to start getting the flyers put up so everybody can start to register. Um, registration fee is going to start out at 15. If you want a t-shirt with your registration, it'll be 35. And that's just to take care of your t-shirt. Make sure you send me your t-shirt size and all of that. I'm looking forward to having you guys with us this year. Last year, we had 25 to 30 people on Zoom, and we had a wonderful time for five hours straight. Really? Nothing but what the Lord had to say, and I mean, we got it in last year. So I'm excited for it this year because I know the Lord is going to move even greater than what he did last year. Also, Quint is not up here with me tonight, so I do not know what all of her announcements were. I do know that we have a event coming up here on the night on the show in April. Um, it is a domestic violence event. So please tune into that as well. It's going to be at eight o'clock that night. 
Um, I will be posting the flyer up, you guys, so you guys can see that rotating as well, because y'all do know that we are domestic violence advocates as well. So we have a lot going on down the pipe with that. We have the Stop the Violence coming up before the summer comes in. We have a You Have a Name conference that's coming up as well. We also have the first Trailblazers radio retreat that's coming up. That is going to be on uh, April the 29th, I do believe. But I will make sure that that is set in stone with you guys. So we have to have a little meeting about that one before I just say, okay. But other than that, I thank you guys for tuning in with us tonight. Fred, do you have any announcements, sir? So um, do you have any announcements, sir? No announcements. Okay. So Fred doesn't have any, any announcements for us tonight. Other than that, we thank you guys for coming on and supporting us. Y'all saw what he said. Y'all heard what he said. Now all y'all got to do is go to the website and watch him put the rest in action. So hit him up. All right. So I expect him to say he got a lot of hits from the folks that watch us. Thank you guys for the support. Again, he will be back because this will not be his one and only time for being up here. I yep. got to have him back, right? So, and maybe we could have the group on next time. So we might yeah, have to do it via, right? So that maybe we might have to do the next one via Zoom instead of StreamYard so we can have everybody yeah, on the board. Yeah, but it will be, like right? We're going to set it up. Yeah, Trust me. Love uh, <laughs> that'll be all right with me. So I will get that set up and we will talk about some things. We're going to discuss that tonight. So um, I thank y'all again. I love y'all to life. Y'all already know that that is my motto. I speak life into y'all. Be good, live life on purpose, and make it count every day. We love y'all. Y'all have a great night. Peace and progress. Thank you. <laughs>